this organization needs someone to do this job and I can do this job based on my experience, based on my knowledge base. I would be really good at this job. And he looked at it and he said, we do need all these things and you would be really great at this. Thanks for tuning in to the Tips from Chips podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Kopp. Today, we are going to hear from Allison Wright, Guest Strategy Manager for the Detroit Red Wings and Detroit Tigers. Allison's going to take us on her journey from Central Michigan to the ESPN Wide World of Sports and Orlando Magic, back to working for three of the four major professional teams in Detroit. Let's get started. All right, Allison, welcome to the Tips from Chips podcast. Thanks for joining. Yeah, thank you, Nay. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm grateful that you've started such an awesome um, channel for us to connect with each other and learn from each other in the Chippewa family. So thank you. Cool, cool. Um, Allison and I, uh, we graduated Central the same year and started the master's program together. Um, we were actually graduate assistants together in the health professions building. So we shared about a hundred foot office space for uh, about a year. Um, so that was a, a fun experience. We got to know each other pretty well um, through that year and uh, we've kept in touch ever since. Um, I know uh, one of my favorite memories from that year and kind of central as a whole is we actually got to present at the International Conference on Education in Honolulu. Um, and it was a really incredible experience for me and for us just to get out there and, and do something completely outside the box. Um, so what are some of your memories, Allison, from Central that kind of shaped and defined your time there and also impacted your career? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the international conference that we spoke at was a major highlight in our my and our experience um, at CMU. I would say the whole master's program, um, we went through the master's um, Master of Art and Sport Administration program. Doing that program, how much experiential learning is in it, um, that's how I learn. I learn best through experiential learning, so that was a, the perfect program for me to, to channel a lot of my leadership skills, my event planning skills, my interpersonal relationship type of skills. So that whole program, I would say, was really beneficial and really changed the, um, or fast-tracked the trajectory of my career also working as a graduate assistant for Dr. Mumford, working so closely with you, developing our relationships, um, was really beneficial to help me learn a lot more about the world of sport in general. You know so much about sport, like from, we're both really good at a lot of things, but I think you have such a history, like such a historical knowledge in sport, that that is something that I lack. So working together and learning those things from you was a really beneficial part of my time at CMU as well. But then also being a graduate assistant for Dr. Mumford and the different projects we worked on, not only the conference that you spoke about, but also um, we did a panel on the what was going on in high school sport. And I thought that was really cool to learn more about just what goes on in that world and what the future of that looks like. So a lot, there's a lot. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's definitely something I, I took away as well. I, you know, the classes were great and everything, but, um, you know, all that outside experience that we gained is, I think, what really helps me in my first job to really kind of be above a lot of the other, um, you know, people interviewing and stuff that we had some real world experience coming right out of college, which was really helpful for me, for sure. Yeah, and the networking networking we did as well, not only at the conferences, but at the events that we put on with our peers who are going through the program as well. 
it's you build different relationships when you're in that environment in the event um, or the practical working environment than you do in the classroom. So um, stronger relationships and relationships that can lead you to jobs or opportunities that you can never imagine in the future. Definitely. And especially in a time like this where, you know, jobs are scarce and people are, you know, getting laid off and furloughed that that network is really so beneficial and and it's uh, so great. We've been able to reconnect with so many alumni through this group. Um, and I hope this podcast really helps out um, another element of that, of really reconnecting with students and, and people who, you know, may have graduated with a degree in sport management, but aren't actively using it that may want to get back mm -hmm. in. So I think uh, that's definitely really important. Yeah, I definitely um, think it'll help bridge the gap between, um, you know, among the alumni from CMU, but also with the students coming up, wanting to learn more about different jobs, different career tra trajectories, um, just about the sport world in general. I think this podcast, this project will really help in a lot of those different aspects. For sure. So I, I talk to a lot of young people in sport management programs, you know, at Central and um, also here out in San Diego. And a lot of them are very focused on opportunities in their own backyards, the professional teams, the colleges. Um, you took a big jump uh, moving from Michigan down to Orlando. Can you tell us a little bit uh, what propelled you to do that and, and what did you get out of that experience? Yeah, so <clears throat> I was very fortunate to have gotten my start in the sport industry very early on. Um, when I was in my freshman year at CMU, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but what I did know is that I loved the Palace and I loved the Pistons growing up going there. Um, so it was during, I think, the spring semester that I saw they had internships available online and I found out who their VP of Venue Operations was and I printed physical copies of my resume, my cover letter, and my references and hand delivered them to the palace. Um, I applied online too, but as a freshman, I, I was trying to think, how do I stand out? Like, how do I really get my foot in the door? So I hand delivered copies of those and I, I really didn't think they were gonna hire a freshman that year, but they did. Um, and then I uh, spent the next summer, I spent that summer with them and then I came back a second summer also in the venue operations group, just uh, learning different aspects of venue operations. The first year I really focused on the guest services element and the second year was way more venue operations, parking, housekeeping, um, security and, and so on. So I had already kind of had my dream job within our market. So I really wanted to do something bigger. Customer service, guest service is something I'm very passionate about. And so once I learned that ESPN Wide World of Sports exists, um, everybody knows about it now because <laughs> of the bubble. Um, but at the time, I didn't even know that Walt Disney World had a sport aspect to it. So once I learned that that was a thing, that that existed, I knew that was the place for me. As someone who loves the Walt Disney brand, um, ESPN, Disney Parks, Disney Movies, I mean, you name it, I'm a fan of it. A lot of people are. I mean, kind of who isn't? But once I learned that that was a place I could go, I realized that's where I needed to go. Um, and so I initially went down there as a volunteer operations coordinator or um, intern, excuse me. And while I was doing that, I didn't, I have some family in Orlando, but I don't have a whole, um, I don't have a whole ton of family down there. So I 
knew I needed something to fill my time. You know, I was working, I was working a lot when I was an intern in Orlando to start with, but I needed something else to fill my time and I wanted to build my resume a little bit more. So that led me to getting a part-time job with the Orlando Magic. So I worked in their, one of their hospitality spaces. It was called the Fields Ultimate Lounge at that time. Um, and I learned more about their operation, more about their organization. They're an exceptional organization. Um, they're very innovative. They're very uh, kind of on the forefront of technology. Just a great organization that I spent uh, three years with. I was in their Fields Ultimate Lounge for a few years, and then I switched over to their Icon Suite, which is, at least that's what it used to be called, but kind of their two premium spaces in their facility. Yeah, that's great. You were able to step outside your box and do something a little different and, and get really a whole new type of experience down there. There's definitely no better company to learn customer service from than Disney. Um, so that's awesome. You had that opportunity. Um, so I, I want to take it back to one thing you said in the previous comment. Um, so the bubble, um, do you have any friends or coworkers you keep in touch with that are you know, still working in the bubble or are around the bubble? Yeah, so actually, funny enough, I still work part-time for um, ESPN Wide World of Sports and Run Disney. So I go down there for some of their big events, their uh, Run Disney endurance events. So I still work very closely with a lot of the same people that I worked with before. But at this point, at least the last I spoke with them, like so much of the Walt Disney Company, especially in Disney parks, they've been furloughed. But there are still some of the people that I work with who are working in the bubble. Our VP just a few days ago posted that it's not very often you can walk from one NBA playoff game to the next. You know, we just walked from the HP Fieldhouse to the... Uh, Advent Health Arena, but what like what an incredible opportunity to have. For sure. I mean, hopefully, what will be a once in a lifetime experience. But I'm I'm a little jealous. I think that would be a very very cool experience to have the bubble. It's definitely something I'm a little jealous of. It's a very cool opportunity, and and just yeah. uh, following it on Instagram, um, some of the the laughs of bubble life is it, just great. Oh, yes. And the evolution of the bubble life, right? Like we started by watching them just kind of be bored out of their minds and trying to figure out what to do to fill their time to then as the competition kind of heated up them encountering each other back at the resorts um, after an intense game. And then also their families and their kids coming to visit them or, or being able to spend time with them in the bubble has been a really cool kind of evolution and inside look into what that what that is, what that has been. Yeah, I love the behind the scenes, you know, NFL does a great job at capturing it, but it was cool to see the yeah. NBA perspective. You spent uh, about three years in Florida and then you moved back to Michigan. Um, so what uh, was the reason behind that decision? Was it an opportunity that came up? Yeah, so while I was in Orlando uh, at ESPN Wide World of Sports, I had a couple different jobs throughout kind of my time down there. So I started as a volunteer operations um, an integration intern and then a leader came from ESPN down to ESPN wide world of sports to try and bridge the gap between um, the ESPN brand and the Walt Disney brand and try and partner more create more brand integration that was more uh, a little bit more authentic uh, Robin Remick is her name I owe so so much to her I've learned so so much from her but she came down to do that. And I was really fortunate to be able to work directly with her in doing that. So we did everything in that job from marketing, production, events, brand integrity, uh, digital 
everything. So that was a really interesting learning opportunity for me. I come from an operations background, so marketing is very foreign to me. Um, the sales side is very foreign to me. So it was a crash course in all things ESPN and all things high intensity sports, which I love, love that job. Um, but as the shift in media consumption happened and as it continues to happen from linear to digital, ESPN did downsize and we both unfortunately, um, our positions were eliminated. So she worked really hard with the team we were working with at ESPN Wide World of Sports to try and place me after we were, uh, our positions were eliminated. So I continued working for them, doing the same type of working with ESPN Wide World of Sports to do the same type of brand integration that I was doing before. So I did that for quite a while. Um, I kind of passed off all my responsibilities and different pieces to different leaders at ESPN Wide World of Sports, knowing that my position with them was, it, we were hoping it would be a long-term position, but it, we needed to transition those responsibilities to a different group. Uh, the team at ESPN Wide World of Sports put me on a different project um, called the Invictus Games. So if you're not familiar with that, that's an adaptive sport competition for veterans from around the world. So we were working with Prince Harry. It's his, his event. Um, we were working with him and his people. I'll never forget a meeting that I was in that uh, Farron, who I spoke about earlier, was called out because his royal highness, which I didn't understand what that meant at the time, his royal highness was on the phone for Farron. I will never forget that <laughs> moment in my career. Like, what? Um, but yeah, so I was really fortunate to work on that project. Being that the games were at Walt Disney World and we have to do everything above and beyond, we had cast members from the Walt Disney Company that we partnered with each of the 14 nations that were were participating in the games to be their sort of host during their time with us. So a lot of the hosts were um, people who were from that country. So from France, from Italy, uh, who, so who spoke their language, could act as a translator, but could also help them learn what happened at Walt Disney World and try and take care of a lot of things for them behind the scenes so that their, their leaders could focus on the, the sport competition and, and all that. They could handle a lot of the logistics and what have you. So I was very grateful to lead that team of incredible people from around the Walt Disney Company during that time frame. Um, and at that same kind of time, I realized that at that point in my career, I needed, I needed more responsibility. I needed more, I just needed more out of what I was doing. I have a huge passion for the NBA. Um, and the, at the same time, the writing was kind of on the, on the wall that the palace was going to close. Little Caesars Arena was being built. They hadn't made the announcement that the team was going to move down quite yet, but we all kind of knew that that's what was going to happen. So my dream job at the time at the Palace came open on the same team that I had worked with before. So I applied and I reached out to that same group that I had worked with before and kind of the rest is history. I also had some family stuff going on that I wanted to be back here in Michigan. I wanted to be more present for. So um, yeah, it kind of just worked out how it was supposed to. I, I needed more and they needed someone to do that job. So it just kind of worked out. That's great. Um, Kelly spoke about in episode one that you really don't know where the path is going to take you. And, um, you know, obviously you went down to Florida and, and found your way back to Michigan. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, it must have been a pretty interesting time working for Palace Sports and Entertainment. 
Um, they announced that, you know, they're going to build a new arena in Detroit. The two companies are merging together. Um, what was that experience like? Yeah. So, um, the layoff, uh, or the separation from ESPN was very fresh in my mind for anyone who's gone through anything like that. It's hard. It's really hard. I know that you've gone through something similar and you try and keep the most positive face on that you can, um, the most positive mentality, but it's still, is, is really hard to go through. So I kind of, at first, while we already knew this was kind of going to happen, we didn't know what the process was gonna look like. And through the process, we didn't know what the process looked like. So there was so much uncertainty for a very long amount of time. Um, and it was also really hard to lead a team of people who were very concerned about their future. So not only the people on the full-time, from the full-time aspect that I led, but our frontline, our part-time employees also had so many questions that we didn't know, our leaders didn't know. There was just so much uncertainty. So uh, we're really, myself and a lot of the people I work with, we're really grateful to have sort of been um, placed, if you will, with the new with the team from the Joe they did interviews it was a true interview hiring process it wasn't just like we were handed these jobs we had to go through the interview process like everybody else um, but quite a few of us were fortunate enough to be part of the new um, arena and get to, to open an arena which as a venue operator that's your dream right that's one of the things on the bucket list to be able to do so I'm really grateful to have been able to do that it was a lot of hard work um, I listened to a lot of Moana during that time. I don't know what about Moana, but it was kind of on repeat, the guys that I shared an office with. It was a very similar office to the sides that we shared. So can you imagine <laughs> being in a room with me for hours on hours listening to Moana? But um, yeah, it was incredible. There were, the two companies are so different. So the team at the Palace and the team from the Joe, just very, very different cultures. So bringing those two cultures together was definitely a challenge. There are both things from both organizations. There are things from both organizations that the different companies are very, very good at. However, again, they're just very different. So navigating those cultural differences and trying to fit in with each other was definitely a big challenge. Not to mention people from each of those organizations had such and still have such pride in where they came from. Um, I don't think it's any secret that the two organizations didn't necessarily work together very much um, before they kind of came together at the arena, at least for my whole lifetime. So yeah, people were very, very proud of where they came from. So navigating, we can still have pride in where we came from um, and we can still get along was definitely a challenge at my level as well as at the frontline level, as you can imagine. Lots of personalities. Um, lots of passion and all it all comes and came from the right place and being proud of where you came from um, but definitely something to navigate and then the team from the pistons from the palace that i still work really closely with it was a very different world for them because they came from owning their own building um, and they they became a tenant so it's like you live in the suburbs for 30 years, you cut your grass when you want, you paint your house when you want, you replace your roof when you want, and that's no longer the case. You know, you move into an apartment or a condo building and you can't knock down that wall and you can't move things in and out when you want. So it's just a, a definite learning curve from that aspect that I think I, we're at a very good place now. You know, we're at a very, very good place, but 
there were a lot of a lot of hard conversations and a, a big learning curve for a lot of, of what we did. Yeah, that's a that's a great analogy. I loved uh, you know becoming a tenant and and how different that experience is when you're used to owning. Um, yeah, yeah. Shifting gears a little bit. Um, so you're a woman in a very male dominated industry. It's no surprise that sports organizations are mostly male, and mm -hmm. um, it, it can be an issue. I mean, what has your experience been like leading large groups of of people um, in this mm -hmm. industry? Yeah. So. I, I'm someone who has pretty thick skin, so, but I'm also very aware of that I am a female and I'm also very aware of the rooms that I'm in. I've had a lot of incredible leaders that are female that I've seen throughout my career who have been an exceptional example of how to be a female in this space. So my leader at the palace, um, well, she was technically my leader's leader at the palace. I got to see her and how she interacted with a very male, heavy team, if you will. Um, when I was in Orlando, like I was speaking of Robin earlier, probably the most, the strongest female leader that I've ever had. Um, there are still things that she would say when I worked with her that resonate with me every day. She helped me be more aware of different dynamics and spaces about how we used language. She just, she taught me so much. I'm so grateful for my, my time with her. But then also, I'm very grateful for the people that I've worked with that I've led who have reaffirmed how I lead and have reaffirmed me as a female leader in a male-dominated space, whether that's uh, females that I've led or even males that I've led. Um, there's one, I know we don't pick favorite employees or favorite people we work <laughs> with, but if I had to, this, um, this woman, Kathy, would be very near the top of my list. Um, we worked together at the palace and we went our separate ways when um, the new arena opened. She got a full-time job elsewhere, but she, I was talking to her one day and she made the comment that in her new job, there will be challenges that arise. And she said that she would think to herself, what would Allison do? What would Allison do in this situation? Um, which for me, like, I was like, Kathy, you're going to make me cry. This is so sweet. But it's, um, it just reaffirms what I've what I've instilled in myself, what I've worked um, toward being and being a leader in the fem being a leader period. But I just understand that there are different things I have to be aware of to be a female leader in this space. And um, yeah, I'm grateful for the opportunities that I've been given and also for the the female and male leaders that I've had who have helped me understand how to navigate the space better, but who have also believed in me um, and have given me a voice in spaces that if there there will be times there have been times when I've been in a space with lots of male leaders some much older than me um, who have spoken over me or who have you know done things that they didn't feel good but my leaders have stood up for me and said Allison hang on Allison was speaking and have given me the opportunity to do that so um, but then also seeing that and then seeing if that happens to any of the people that I lead or that I'm even peers with, sticking up for them and making sure they have the same opportunity to have a voice like my leaders or my peers have given me. So. Yeah, that's that's great. I'm, I'm glad you've had that experience and, and definitely strong leaders to be mentors in your career. Um, I think that's really important. And I'm, I'm going to have to get a bracelet. What would Allison do um, anytime <laughs> I'm facing some hard decisions? Uh -huh. Right? 
I think that's, that's awesome. <laughs> so, um, so transitioning into your, your current role, um, you're now the guest strategy manager for the Detroit Red Wings and Olympia Entertainment. Um, and this new role came about in February, right before the world changed with the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, how has it been learning a new role um, remotely and, and how have you transitioned during this time? Yeah, so the interesting thing about that role is it's kind of a perfect example of speak up for what you want. Um, and so the way that came about was probably six months or a year into opening Little Caesars Arena as I understood the landscape of the company and I understood what the goals and the future of the organization was in bringing, obviously the Tigers are part of the kind of Illich family of companies, but they operated as a standalone organization, sort of. So as we worked closer with the Tigers, we worked closer with the amphitheaters, so DTE, Meadowbrook, and um, Michigan Lottery Amphitheater. As I saw that all those were coming together, I saw an opportunity to streamline and synergize a lot of operational procedures, experiences that we have. So I kind of just created a job description for all the gaps that I saw within the business that I knew needed to get done in order to take us to that next level of being a better organization. And I put all those together, put it on a job description and handed it to um, my vice president. And I said, this organization needs someone to do this job and I can do this job based on my experience, based on my knowledge base. I would be really good at this job. And he looked at it and he said, we do need all these things and you would be really great at this. So fast forward to February of this year, that job finally came to fruition, uh, which is incredible. It's like I said, you kind of have to articulate what you want in order for it to happen. So yeah, that came all about in February. And for a while I was doing that job and my old job while they found a replacement for my former position. And it's actually the week that was our last week in the office, I was doing this new job full time. And that's kind of when the sport and entertainment space was imploding on us. Um, everything was getting canceled, moved around. Uh, so that was my first week in that job. And then, uh, yeah, I started working from home after that. Since this is a brand new position across the company, we're still trying to figure out what the job entails, how it works with all the different departments. So I've kind of started in the world that I'm already familiar with being the operations and guest experience world. So I've been working with that group to find platforms or find solutions for challenges that they may have within their operation, um, as well as working with other groups and other departments to try and educate them on what our team can and will help them with or do for them and then um, just trying to to build that out to grow our group and grow what my responsibilities are but yeah it's definitely it's definitely been hard especially because I'm trying to figure out what my new role is like but everyone else is at the same time trying to figure out what they should be doing while our organization is kind of at a standstill so it's been it's it's been a lot of pivoting which is the word of 2020 right but it's been a lot of pivoting sure. to just figure it out and make it work yeah that's that's uh 
definitely a unique situation. And I think um, we've all kind of adjusted a little bit our communication styles and our leadership styles to, you know, working from home for six plus months and, and different interactions that we have daily. You can't walk down the hall and talk to somebody. You got to schedule a Zoom call. And, you know, it's definitely been different. So I, I can't even imagine another layer of that, of learning a whole new role on top of this whole transition that we're all going into. So that's definitely a unique experience for sure. Yeah, and trying to articulate what that new role is to people who have no idea what the role is supposed to be. You know, it's like, I, I kind of just share with them some bullet points from my job description and say, this is what I'm, I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to help you with, especially now in an environment where people are very concerned about their job. And what I do is very gray. So um, going in and helping other groups do things differently or do them better. Um, people get a little concerned about that because it, it looks like I'm trying to come in and do what they're doing, which is not what I'm doing at all. I'm trying to be kind of like a consultant, like, hey, have you thought about this? Or let's see if we can do this better. Or can I help you um, reconfigure this so it makes more sense for you and your employees? So yeah, it's been interesting. <laughs> that, um, that reminded me of the office episode where, where Pam creates the job description of the office administrator and everyone oh. just kind of signs off on it because no one knew that that position like didn't exist. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, it's kind of like, oh, you, you weren't doing this before? Yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. <laughs> nice. Um, so we've, we've talked about um, a lot of hard things in this conversation with, you know, COVID-19 and, and layoffs and furloughs and um, kind of transitions of organizations. So what is one piece you would give to someone just starting out their career in sport management? Yeah. So um, I can't limit it to just one. I do have a couple. Uh, first and foremost, there is no job that is too small for you or that you are above. Um, I'll never forget as an intern with Palace Sports and Entertainment, one of the things that needed to get done um, was at some of our concerts, people, our guests um, throw sod. They rip sod from the ground and throw it. So. Uh, catching sod so that it does not hit people is a job that I've had to do. And it was very dirty, as you can imagine. And there was sod in my hair and sod all over me um, and dirt, but it's, it's not, it's not below me. It needs to get done and it's going to keep people safer. So, okay, I'll do it. Um, really. So just understanding that there's no job too small. There's no job that is beneath you to do. Another, one of my leaders, um, my vice president that I spoke of earlier, Tim is his name, when we do what we call blitz cleans around the arena that are in between two events within one day, so we need to clean up really fast, he'll be in the arena with our, with our frontline employees picking up trash with them, you know, and he's the vice president of our group. He's not watching from some tower up top, he's right there with them, which is an incredible quality and a leader and, and someone within the organization and kind of along that same line is people are always watching you you know people are always watching what you're doing they're listening to what you're saying so even things that you say when you're frustrated when you're tired you still have to watch what you say and how you say it because that's your brand that's how you're representing yourself um, and social media has a big part to do with that um, you know, whatever you put out there is people's snapshots of who you are, whether that really is who you are as a, as a person, that's who your character is or not. That's how people are perceiving you. And so many times perception is reality. So ensuring that 
you're you're putting out what you want how you want to be represented is really important so yeah humility and um, integrity are probably the two biggest things i would share with people who are getting ready to embark on this great adventure in sports yeah i agree with you 100 percent. so sod catching um kind of a new concept to me i haven't heard that in the other duties as assigned with most sports jobs so <laughs> Um, yeah. What is sod catching? Yeah, so this is a little bit more on the entertainment side of my job, but at our outdoor amphitheater, so I don't want to give anyone ideas. So if you hear this, please do not ever do this because someone like me has to catch these pieces of sod, but our guests will rip the sod out of the ground, like the grass off of the hill and throw it. So as you can imagine, those are giant chunks of, you know, a foot by a foot square of sod with the dirt attached to it it'll knock people out so um yeah we myself and my leader and others security members would try and catch this sod and put it out of the way so that it doesn't become a trip hazard and so it doesn't actually hit people but yeah even people up in the crow's nest you like working the lights had sod like in their eyes because people were just throwing these pieces of of sod. So yes, if there's anything you learn from this podcast, please do not ever pick up sod from the grass and throw it at a concert. Very, very uh, unsafe. That's so. that's bizarre. I, I haven't worked many concerts, so that's definitely a new concept mm-hmm. to me. Um, did, did you guys mm-hmm. keep fantasy stats? Did you like, you know, you had, <laughs> you had six receptions for 110 yards? and <laughs> No, but we should. That would be very fun. Um, and we could include, yeah, it could be like pound for pound. Like you <laughs> yeah. caught X amount of sod today. You are the winner and you get a beer or whatever it is, but we should wow. do that. <laughs> that's, uh, that's very bizarre. Well, thanks for uh, sharing that. In closing here, um, what is one trend in the sports industry that you're most excited about? Other than getting back to sports, I'm very excited for that. Um, <laughs> I would say, especially during uh, COVID, but even prior to that, the way companies, organizations, brands are bringing experiences to their fans is very exciting to me. Whether that's um, AR, VR, in-home experiences, you know, even the the Michelob courtside seating um, at the yeah. games in the bubble, really cool, really um, interesting experiential ways to bring your brand to your fans in new and innovative ways. That's probably the biggest thing I'm excited for is, is seeing those things happen. And we have a lot of items kind of like that at Little Caesars Arena, but there's the opportunities are endless. You know, there's different things coming out every day every week about how brands are reaching their fans so i love love to watch that and love to see how people are getting creative so yeah that's awesome that's uh something i think sports definitely leads the way i work across you know several different industries in my jobs in sports and um i think that uh, a lot of industries try to emulate what sports marketers are doing and and kind of new ways to break through the clutter and and get your Mm -hmm. message across in a different way that you know, it was going to create some buzz and get people talking and, and be like, wow, this is really cool. I just saw what, you know, the NBA is doing with their virtual fans. Well, thank you so much, Allison. Um, I don't want to take too much more of your time, but it was great to have you on here. And uh, thank you for just all the lessons and experiences that you've had in your career and, and just sharing that knowledge and wisdom with, 
you know, the, the rest of us listening out there and, and the future generations as well in, in sport management. Yeah. And like I said, at, at the top of the podcast, I'm, I'm really grateful for what you're doing for the current students, the alumni and, and anybody else who listens to this. Hopefully people can gain some insight into our world and get excited about being a professional in the sport industry. So thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Allison. Have a good rest of your day. Thanks, Nate. Thanks for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please follow us on Spotify, Twitter, and Instagram at Tips From Chips. And be sure to share with your friends.